Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. On the show this week, the trial is over, but what is next for Chris Keynes after being cleared of perjury in the UK? The ICC admits Nigel Long got his infamous not-out call wrong in the day-night test between the Black Caps and Australia, but what does that admission achieve? Tensions are high across the Tasman after the NRL released its 2016 draw, and how do the Warriors fear? Joseph Parker believes he's ready to be the best heavyweight boxer in the world, and we chat to the woman credited with masterminding Britain's medal haul at the 2012 London Olympics. Former Black Cap Chris Cairns was found not guilty of perjury and perverting the course of justice after an eight-week trial at the Suffolk Crown Court in London earlier this week. The charges were related to the libel case Cairns took out against Indian businessman Lalit Modi in 2012. On social media, Modi had accused Cairns of being a match-fixer, to which the 45-year-old New Zealander denied. In that trial, Cairns said, I have never, ever cheated at cricket, nor would I ever contemplate such a thing. Witnesses called to testify against Cairns included former teammate Daniel Vittori, self-confessed match-fixer Lou Vincent, and the current Black Caps captain, Brendan McCullum. Following the verdict, RNZ Sports editor Stephen Hewson spoke to New Zealand Cricket Players Association boss Heath Mills about the ramifications of the trial and the verdict. The systems that are in place now um, around anti-corruption are actually relatively new. I think in cricket, the ICC is one of the one of the few, if not the only, sport that has its own independent anti-corruption unit. Um, so the systems are evolving very quickly, um, you know, and. We also need to understand that, um, you know, that the anti-corruption and cricket do not have powers of police. It's not a policing organisation. Um, there are very there are there are limits to what it can achieve. Um, its major focus is on education and on um, making international cricket a hard target by having the presence of all the matches. What we need moving forward, I believe, is a greater involvement of governments and police in this work. I think if if we have more involvement from people at that level. Um, and with that expertise, then we're going to be able to design better systems uh, moving forward. I mean, after all, match fixing it comes about via illegal criminal activity, um, run, often run by mafia groups. Uh, we need experts in that space who are logically governments and police to help sport um, fight this problem. Uh, sport in itself won't be able to come up with the answers, and at all times we need to be improving our systems. Um, so and we can make it easier and, and better and safer for our people to come forward. So does that mean the Cricket Players Association what will now be going to government to say we need more? I mean, obviously New Zealand has put match-fixing legislation in place recently. What what more do you want to see done? Yeah, we've, we've advocated uh, for that quite strongly previously um, with government departments uh, and, and police here, and I, I think 
here in New Zealand, in many respects, um, we're leading the way from what I've seen uh, with, with the interest shown from government and police to help support combat this problem. But I still think we could be doing more. No question about that. Uh, we definitely could be doing more across uh, 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 across the group of sports in this country. However, there are many other countries around the world where there's little activity and there appears to be little interest from government and police in trying to, to solve the problem. And I think uh, in many respects it's the, the international lobbying um, that can be done at inter- uh, government level to help solve the problem. So, so the problem's not really... Can't do it. Yeah, so, so the problem's not going to go away then? But... Well, yeah, well, the problem is, is a big problem. There's no doubt that uh, match fixing is, I believe, one of the biggest issues facing sport, if not the biggest. Uh, and it's growing. And gambling and sport is, is, is a massive industry, one of the biggest industries in the world. And most of it occurs on the underground black market. So it is a big problem. Uh, and we need governments and police to help sport solve it, in my view. What future does Chris Cairns have in the game? Yeah, well, look, uh, I... You know, uh, here in New Zealand, um, New Zealand cricket and, and the six major associations ultimately need to decide that. And you know, you know, if, if Chris wanted a role back in the sport, and I don't see any anything in the way of him applying for roles or getting involved, it would be a matter for those organisations to decide on a case by case basis. So, I guess we'll need to wait and see where he wants to go in the next two or three months. Is the players' association likely to provide him any assistance? Yeah, we've. Um, We've uh, supported Chris previously in the last two or three years, and he's he's well aware of the areas in which we can support him. Um, so you know that those uh, that offer of support uh, you know wasn't going anywhere. You know, and if he he wanted to take us up in those areas, then we would continue to offer support um, in the in the months and years ahead. What about the toll this has taken on Brendan McCullum? Uh, it's been a significant toll on Brendan McCullum, but not just him. Uh, many, many other people who have been involved and required to give statements, um, etc., and, and go through this process. It's been a massive toll. Uh, like I, you, you cannot underplay that in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I think Brendan, whilst he's been playing for New Zealand, captain for New Zealand, that's a, that's a big enough responsibility with enough pressures as it is. So it's a, had a significant toll, and it's not just not on the players either, it's on their family members. So this has been an awful process. And uh, it's, it's, the good thing is that it's now ended. Um, so you know, we, we, we'll be there to support anyone who needs anything in any shape or form, but people shouldn't underestimate how hard it's been. It hasn't really ended though, has it? Because there's a lot of residual impact around this. Oh, look, and, and perhaps that may be ongoing. Who knows what's going to happen in the, in the coming months. But in terms of... You know this trial it has it has come to an end, um, and you know that's it's been a long trial and it's been a long build up to it. So I think everyone involved um, will be pleased about that. Uh, there are no winners; no one wins out of this. It's uh, it's been an awful experience, um, and if there are still uh, more matters to to work through in, in the year ahead, then so be it. We'll, we'll, people will need to do that, and we'll need to support them where we can. Um, now, we can't control what any party chooses to do. So we just, from our position, we need to attempt to remain, continue to remain impartial and uh, provide the best support we can for people when they ask for it. What do you take from all of this, Heath? Um, I hope that we never have to go through it again. It's been an awful thing. Um, the only positive, I think, is, uh, is the increased awareness of this issue um, by New Zealand. And I think we've been quite naive uh, in the past about match fixing and think that it's something that occurs elsewhere uh, and not here. But 
Uh, there's no question now that uh, I think everyone in this country is aware how big the problem is and that it can touch our people. So um, that would be the only good uh, that has come from it as far as I can see. Cricket Players Association boss Heath Mills talking to RNZ's sports editor Stephen Hewson. This is Extra Time. And it's been a week of verdicts for cricket. Following Nigel Long's controversial not-out decision given to Nathan Lyon in the day-night test in Adelaide between the Black Caps and Australia, New Zealand cricket sent a please explain to the sports governing body, the ICC, over the howler. Hotspot replays of the delivery clearly showed Lyon's attempted sweep shot catching the front edge of his bat before being caught in the slips. However, Long ruled that anything could have produced the mark on the bat. Lyon went on to contribute to a 74-run partnership, which helped Australia to a first-innings lead. New Zealand eventually lost the test by three wickets in a close contest. The ICC's response was, while Long followed the correct procedure when reviewing the original not-out decision, he came to the wrong conclusion from his analysis. RNZ Sports Editor Stephen Hewson spoke to New Zealand Cricket Head of Cricket Operations Lindsay Crocker following the ICC's response to gauge the Black Caps' thoughts on the outcome. In their view, he had enough information to be able to give the, give it out. So he made an error of judgment, and uh, they've come clean, admitted that, um, without throwing him under the bus. So we're comfortable with that. He is set to umpire here in New Zealand. I mean, will will that affect things? Do you think? No, we'll talk to him about that um, because you know I think um, New Zealand sports fans are likely to give him a, a you know a reasonably warm welcome. Um, We've got prior form for this sort of thing, I guess, in the rugby code. Um, so, you know, ICC aware of that, and Nigel's aware of that himself, but he uh, realises that um, he needs to get back on the horse, and um, so he will continue to fulfil his responsibilities in the Sri Lankan Test Series uh, and understands that, um, you know, he's, he's likely to be greeted by New Zealand crowds, which um, we have a little bit of spice, I guess, to the occasion, but look, I don't think anything beyond that, but um, but you yeah, know he's he's got his eyes wide open to that. Will you need to provide any extra security around that? Uh, if we did, it would be low key, so we we wouldn't sort of broadcast that. But um, but uh, we'll, we'll look at that the, the necessity for that. But um, I don't imagine that it will uh, run to that necessarily. But you see, that's something that we are looking at. Yep. The NRL, if, if referees have a shocker, stand them down for a week. Should that? apply in this this case or with cricket umpires? Well what they do is uh, a bit like if players make a mistake they refer it to their coaches, they have umpires coaches the same way as players have coaches now I guess the normal ICC process would be if there's a raft of errors that an umpire might make and so if you get some patterns emerging then there might be an opportunity for standing down and retraining. Um, but I don't imagine, in fact, there's no, we've had no word from ICC that it would happen for this event, for this one-off event. Um, so, no, I, uh, I don't imagine that would happen here. But there are occasions in history uh, where umpires have been stood down for form. That's happened previously uh, with other umpires. Um, uh, they come under pressure and um, sometimes they, they're best off having a bit of a break, but that's not being the assessed need here. I suppose the the problem is, or, or the disappointing factor in all of this, is that this decision would seemingly have had such a, a big outcome on the on the match. 
Yeah, possibly. I mean, you never know what might unfold should the Lion have walked off at that point. But you're right, in a low-scoring game and the subsequent partnership that emerged, it meant it did put higher focus on the decision. So that's true. It um, it ended up being material. Whether it would have panned out differently had it been given out, well, I guess we'll never really know. But you're satisfied at this point with, with where things are at and, and won't be looking to take the matter any further? No, they've done what we asked them to do, which is review whether it was error or process. There appears to be no process um, breakdown. So we've got faith in the technology of the system and the process that they should follow in reviewing that technology. It was a judgment error. That can happen. We move on. NZC Head of Cricket Operations, Lindsay Crocker, talking to RNZ Sports Editor Stephen Hewson. Moving forward... The Black Caps start their next test series against a new-look Sri Lankan side in our own backyard next week. The team that played Australia last month has remained relatively unchanged, with paceman Matt Henry the only player who got game time against Australia to be sent back to domestic duty. Meanwhile, the Sri Lankan side has a number of new faces following the retirement of some of the country's best players. One of those, Sri Lanka's former captain Mahela Jayawardena, is in New Zealand playing in the domestic 2020 competition. I caught up with Jay Wardner to find out who he thinks will take out the two-test series. Sri Lankans are a fairly young team now, um, with a lot of the senior guys have left, and um, they're in a rebuilding process. But still got some experience with Angelo, um, who's probably played almost you know 35, 40 Test matches, and then a couple of other young guys who've done well. So um, they'll be looking forward to the challenge. But obviously, the Black Caps will um, have upper hand. They've got the experience. They've you know, played good cricket recently in Australia as well. So uh, it's going to be hard for our boys, but I'm sure they're up for the challenge. Obviously, they also came off the back of a 2-0 series win over the West Indies back home uh, just a couple yeah. of months ago. Do you think yeah. that will give them a bit of confidence before they come over here? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they've had a great series against West Indies. They pretty much beat them in every game except our one T20 game. So... Uh, they'll be coming with our confidence, but um, they'll realise uh, you know the challenge just ahead in New Zealand uh, against a very good, experienced bowling attack, uh, a very experienced batting unit as well. So, um, as long as our boys challenge themselves and and play some good cricket, they'll they'll have a good tour. I'm not sure if you got to see any of it, but obviously the Black Caps have just played their uh, tour in Australia and came away with a 2-0 loss. Do you think that'll give Sri Lanka any sort of motivation because, you know, they have come off the back of a loss to Australia, or do you think New Zealand might be hungry for a win as well? Well, I think New Zealand will be quite hungry to do well at home. Um, that's been a fortress for them, so um, our boys will realise that as well. But like I said, you know, they've, they've played some really good cricket Sri Lanka uh, recently, so um, and New Zealand will be quite hungry to make sure that, you know, they get back on home soil and have a good summer, so... It should be a very interesting series, uh, but I, I reckon experience-wise, New Zealand have the upper hand. You were involved in the uh, Seddon Park game in Hamilton just recently. Do yeah. you, uh, where do you think, because uh, that's where they're playing their second test, the Black Caps in Sri Lanka, where do you think that test uh, might be won off on that pitch? Do you think it will be more of a bowling or a batting display that we'll see there? Well, I think I think it, it's a good wicket. So the batsman will probably uh, be dominating, but like once you get into the, you know, fourth, fifth day of a test match, that's when probably the spinners will come into play. It's pretty bit of a slowish wicket, so the spinners might come in handy um, at that level. But like the first three days, it probably, if, if depending on the conditions, if it's overcast, we probably get a bit of swing. If not, the batsman will have a good day. 
former Sri Lankan cricket captain Mahela Jayawardena. And you are listening to Extra Time, a web-only show brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. Tensions are high across the Tasman among rugby league players following the release of the 2016 NRL draw. Players have been left frustrated with ongoing complications in the signing of the collective bargaining agreement, as well as the number of five-day turnarounds in the draw. 31 five-day turnarounds have been scheduled for the first 20 rounds of the NRL season, with six rounds still yet to be scheduled. As a result, Australian players have threatened to boycott the first few weeks of the NRL competition because of it. Following the threats of boycotts, I spoke to Warriors Chief Executive Jim Doyle about whether any of the New Zealand club's players plan on missing the start of the season. I know a five-day turnaround is, is, is tough, it's tough on the body. Um, it is a very you know, gladiatorial, combative sort of sport, so it is very much uh, it's tough on the body and it's hard to recover. Um, and therefore I can see their concerns. Um, I know what I have had a look at overall, there's no more five-day turnarounds next season than there was this season. And from my understanding in 2017, the Monday night football will be removed and therefore there will be a significant reduction in five-day turnarounds. So at least it's going in the right direction. Uh, I think it would be more disappointing if there was more five-day turnaround games next year than there was this year. So that means you're going in the wrong direction. Uh, but I think it's heading in the right direction. But I can certainly see, as I say, I haven't analysed all the individual teams as to who's got five days and how many they've got and that type of thing. Um, but um, I know, you know, the ripple effect of home um, and away fixtures and trying to pull together the draw, you know, it's physically impossible to, to I suppose, eliminate every potential uh, issue that's, that's there because you just can't do that in the time frame you've got available. Have any of the Warriors players themselves expressed concern at the draw, or are they pretty happy with it in the fact that they don't have to worry about these five-day turnarounds? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, again, it depends. I mean, if, if there is one or two five-day turnarounds, it's just part of the game. You know, it's part of what you have. Um, I don't think most teams would complain if they had one or two. It would appear that the teams who are more concerned are the ones who have got a few more than uh, than that. Um, but other boys are um, they're comfortable with the draw. Um, as I say, they don't necessarily like going to Perth, um, but they realise it's part of the draw. Um, but at the same time, they're really pleased that they're now getting to go and play in, in Wellington, Christchurch, as well as obviously New Plymouth. So that, that's a positive for them. So I'm guessing there's been no talk of a boycott then? No. Our players at this point in time can't wait till the season starts. They're uh, The ones that were here, uh, last season, obviously, we were very disappointed in the way they finished, and we can't wait to rectify that. And the new boys that, that have arrived, you know, Roger and Isaac and Jeff Robson and Blake Ashford, etc., uh, they're all uh, really itching to get out on the field. That was the Warriors Chief Executive, Jim Doyle. The world of heavyweight boxing has a new champion, following the shock victory by Great Britain's Tyson Fury over the reigning champion, Vladimir Klitschko. Fury claimed a unanimous decision over Klitschko, who had been the world heavyweight champion for nine years and had been unbeaten for 11. The 27-year-old Fury is now undefeated in his 25 professional fights and holds the WBA, WBO, IBF and IBO belts in the heavyweight division. Back home though, New Zealand boxer Joseph Parker believes he's got the goods to defeat the new champion already. Parker's also undefeated with 16 fights to his name and even sparred with Klitschko earlier this year. 
I spoke to the 23-year-old to find out why he thinks he can beat the best in the business. I believe in myself and, and what I can do in the ring. And I have confidence that you know, if I do train hard and prepare well, that I can beat you know, any who in, in the world. And the reason why I say that is because I've, you know, I've sparred against Klitschko. And uh, before I sparred against Klitschko, I thought that he was on another level. Like, I thought he... I, when I watched him on TV, I thought, well, man, this is, you know, this is a champion. He's a beast, you know. But when I, when I actually went and sparred him, I, I didn't do too badly. And I, I thought that I gave him great work. Um, I thought I gave him a bit of trouble with the speed that I, I went with and uh, some of the combinations that I threw. So that's why I thought that uh, I could be any heavyweight in the world. And I wasn't, you know, um, I wasn't really uh, as fit as I could be when I sparred him. I wasn't um, conditioned the best that I could be conditioned. So I know that if I do train hard and, and put in the work that I could, um, they do, do a lot, a lot of good. Is this where your newfound confidence has come from, sparring with Klitschko? I believe the confidence comes from every fight that I have. I mean, with every fight, I, I keep gaining more confidence in what I can do in the ring. And with every training camp, you know, with every training camp, I'm learning new skills and techniques and getting fitter and stronger. So I believe, and I, um, I believe they have a great team around me who not only you know, help me um, get to the top, but help me mentally as well and give me confidence that I can, I can achieve anything that I want to achieve with hard work. What did you see in the Fury Klitschko fight that makes you think you could beat the world champion at the moment? Well, uh, the, the fight, you know, I give um, a lot of credit to, to Tyson Fury for what he did. Everyone underestimated him, but I was uh, when the fight was on, I was cheering him on, and I knew that he could um, like cause an upset. And the thing that I saw with that fight was that they didn't, as heavyweights, they uh, no, they they didn't throw a lot of punches. They threw just enough. I mean, Klitschko threw about. Uh, what, four or five punches, power punches around. And I think throughout the whole fight, he threw about 56 punches. So uh, I think that um, with that being said, um, I'm, a, I'm the type of fighter who likes to throw a lot of punches and, and combinations. And I, could, I, I can actually throw about 56 in one round. So, and, and that's the reason why it wasn't you know, the fight. I believe that if I had the opportunity, um, I know what I can do or I know what I have to do to win. Tyson Fury winning the title off Klitschko. Do you think that is good for the sport? Tyson Fury winning uh, the heavyweight championship of the world is great for the heavyweight division and great for boxing because it brings a lot of excitement back to the heavyweight division. And a lot, I know a lot of people uh, weren't really interested in, in our division because it was you know, they, they, they called it boring and, and unentertaining. But I believe when he won, a lot of people are um, actually more interested now. How much longer do you think you'll keep fighting lower-ranked opponents before you get a crack at those top 10 uh, boxers? Uh, well, um, you know, if I keep uh, progressing the way we, we, we are at the moment, if I keep winning and doing well, uh, realistically, I'm, I'm looking at uh, fighting someone in the top 10 in the world in, in a year's time or even for the championship, probably in a, in a year and a half time. That's, that's my own personal opinion. Joseph Parker. Finally... New Zealand is at risk of losing its reputation as a leading sporting nation, says a British sports administrator and sports educationalist. Baroness Sue Campbell, a former physical education teacher and the former chair of UK Sport, will address a Sport New Zealand coaching conference in Auckland this weekend, which will be attended by 600 coaches. Sue Campbell was credited with masterminding Great Britain's record medal haul at the 2012 London Olympics and in 2013 was voted among Britain's 100 most powerful women by the BBC. She told sports editor Stephen Houston that while New Zealand children are still ranked amongst the world's most active, being ranked the third most obese is not a good sign for the future. Our populations are changing. We've got to be very aware that people with different cultural backgrounds and 
uh, and, and different heritage have a very different view of what sport could be and should be in their lives. So, you know, it's a time for all of us to be, to be very aware that young people are changing and we need to change the offer. So is the major challenge keeping them involved or actually getting them involved in the first place? Getting, I mean, nowadays, um, certainly for us, and I, you know, I think New Zealand has a wonderful sporting heritage, and you know, sport is a part of of young people's lives. But as I understand it from um, Sport New Zealand here, you know, even you are beginning to see a dropping away of young people coming to the traditional sport offer. So it's about how do we extend that sport offer? What do we have to do? to encourage children to be physically active. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because being physically and emotionally well uh, it is sure enough gives you a better chance in life. It certainly helps you with academic achievement in school, but it also gives you a better chance to, to get on in life. I mean, New Zealand's got one of, if not the highest participation yeah, rates among yeah. children, but also third most obese kids yeah. in the world. Well, that, yeah. That's quite a contradiction. Yes, it is. And, and you know, again, um, you know, that's happening in, in a lot of the developing countries around the world. We've got the sporty kids who uh, usually come from sporty parents um, involved in sport, taking part, enjoying it, um, doing really well in your case, fantastically well on the international stage. But we've a growing number of kids who are sedentary, who sit in front of screens, who eat the wrong kind of food. Um, and we all have a job to do to try to attract them into physical activity, and that does mean thinking differently. Um, if you just look at the way we market to young people on other issues, not on the sport issue, uh, and you, you recognise how differently people speak to young people. So we need to listen to young people, we need to talk to them, and we need to adapt so that we, we get a lot more of those kids that are sedentary and having problems with obesity back into activity. New Zealand obviously has that profile at sports achievement at the, at the high performance level and fighting above its yeah, weight, all, all, all that, that type of thing. But the danger yeah. presumably is that if you've got less children taking part in sport, that challenges or could see that fall away in the future. Eventually, uh, there's no question about that. Um, I mean, there's the two big issues, aren't there? One is you want a healthy nation. Uh, you want people who are healthy and active and fit and achieving well in in work and in life. Uh, so physical activity, being fit, being well is all part of that. But you also want to, you know, create this platform to um, give your nation the pride and the prestige around the world. I mean, the success of your All Blacks is, is legendary. Um, and, you know, we saw more kids in England wearing All Black shirts than we saw wearing England shirts. So, you know, you, you create legendary role models, and, but that, that is absolutely right. If we don't feed the bottom of that pyramid, eventually maybe you won't be achieving quite the same results. Baroness Sue Campbell speaking to Stephen Hewson. And that is Extra Time for this week. Feedback is always welcome via our Twitter account at RNZ Sport or by email sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.